Let's open our Bibles, 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5. We looked last week and uh, talked about uh, what Paul was exhorting Timothy to keep at it, really, and uh, it's going to say that here, right there, to keep at it, and we talked about that last week, and uh, you know, I think it's such an important message, but you know what, I've had a horrible week trying to keep at it. I don't know about you. I just want to be honest, it's, it's not always easy to keep at it, is it? Sometimes you just want to stop. But, uh, and, and for me, it's like a challenge, you know, well, if you're going to say something, you better be ready to do it, right? You got to practice what you preach. And so sometimes I have the trial before the message that I have to give, and sometimes it's after. Well, this week it was after. It was difficult. It was a hard, hard week. I go into a, you know, a, a store, the, this parts store I go into, and I say to the guy, uh, how's it going? He says to me, how's it going? I say, how's it going? And this is what he says, live in the dream. You hear people say that? Live in the dream. And I just want to punch the guy. <laughs> like, what are you talking? So I'm teaching my grandkids now to say, when I say to them, how's your day? They're, they say, live in the dream. It's like a reminder to me that we really are living the dream, and this guy's got something... I don't know if he's a believer or not, but to, uh, to keep at it and realize that, that we are living the dream, that God is doing something in our lives, and we, but we need to be persevering. We need to keep at what God has put in front of us, keep doing what we're supposed to do. Sometimes we're going to be more successful than in other times. Depending on what it is, you know, we don't all do the same thing every day, but, you know, just to, to, to keep at it. And, uh, you know, I was working on a number of different things this week, and some I was more successful than others. But whatever God has given us, whatever God has placed in our path, wherever He has us, that's what we really need to do is to, to keep at it. And people will see our progress. and. And uh, it is good not only for us, but it's good for others as well. Now today, I want to uh, talk about this subject of how to treat and how to take care of people. First Timothy chapter 5. You know, he, he's, he's talking here about different people of different age and then different uh, situations in life that people find, us, uh, find themselves in. And, and really, uh, the, the first couple he's talking about here, I believe, and, and even really the, the, the third section we're going to look at, he, he wants us to treat them like family. We talk, they mentioned that a little bit today, to treat each other like family. And you'll see what I mean when we get to that. But for some of us, we go, man, I don't know about that. I, I thought about this. If I'm going to treat them like, you know, family... Well, my family wasn't so good, and I don't know if we want to be treating people like they did in my family. So we have to kind of, you know, raise the bar a little bit. Well, what, what, is, what is it supposed to be? And how is, it, how is it that God wants it to be, you see? Because just because we had this rough family kind of upbringing or whatever, doesn't mean we have to repeat that. You know, my father was an alcoholic. I've said this many times. He was an alcoholic, and I realized I didn't have to repeat and do what he did. And I knew that when Jesus entered my life and changed me, I knew that he had a, he had a new plan. 
a new purpose, a new family. And that didn't mean I'd, I had to relearn a lot of things, because I did. And I have, and I'm still relearning a lot of things about family. But we want to do it his way. And, and so we want to treat each other like family, the family that God, the, the way that God has planned it out. Let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 1, how to treat people. He says, do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if, as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. The first thing he talks about is uh, you know, the older man, the older person, the older male, and how do we treat, how do we, how do we relate to people. And, and the, he, says to, he says to treat them as if he were your father. As if he were your now, how would you speak to your father? And that's probably open for debate with some of us, right? Well, you know, and, and what we've seen and what we've experienced. But really, it's a it's a matter of respect, right? Now, Timothy, he told him, Don't let anybody look down on you because you're young. You might have to do some things and say some things. He's not saying don't ever say anything to somebody who's older, but watch how you say it. And I, you know, if there's one thing I, you know, realized through the years is that we, we can say a lot of things, but we need to be careful how we say them. And I've, you know, I've made a lot of mistakes through the years of, of saying things and not maybe saying them in the right way and, and not being careful how I said them and when I said them. But that doesn't mean that they didn't need to be said, right? So he's saying when you are speaking to somebody who's older, speak to them as if they were your father, like family. There's, a, there's an idea, of course, here of respect. Uh, Leviticus 19 says this, Rise in the presence of the aged. Show respect for the elderly and revere your God. I am the Lord. Something about uh, the Lord himself and, and who he is that we would actually show respect to those that are older than us. Now, that, this is something that's been kind of jettisoned, right, in our society. We don't really have a lot of respect for anybody. But I think it's proper and I think it's biblical and I think it's right that we need to show respect to those that are older. We need to learn. Just because the world does things differently, that doesn't mean that it's right to respect. Show some respect. Respect your elders. Remember that saying? You heard that when you were growing up? Maybe. How many of you heard that when you were growing up? Quite a few of you. Respect your elders. And it doesn't mean you don't have discussions. It doesn't mean you don't talk with them about different things, but... How we talk. He says, don't be harsh. Don't be harsh. Be truthful, but, but be gentle and be respectful. I want you to turn ahead two books to the book of Titus and uh, chapter 2. And then keep your, keep a, your bulletin in there because we'll go back and forth to this. Uh, we're just going to read some verses along because he, he kind of goes with different categories there as well. But in Titus chapter 2, in verse 2, he says... Teach, he's speaking to, to Titus, who was in a similar situation as Timothy. Teach the older men to be temperate, to be worthy of respect. That's interesting. Self-controlled and sound in faith, in love, and in endurance. So there was this idea of, of teaching them. And these are very important things. So if you're an older man, look at this list. He's saying these are things that we need to be learning and growing in. Now, uh, sometimes we don't really know what category we fit in. Uh, 
Where's the cutoff? I don't know where the cutoff is for the older men. Can someone tell me? Where's the cutoff when you become an older man? 50? 60? Oh, man, I'm still a young man, dude. That's nice. I'm still okay. But there comes a point when we got to realize, hey, I'm, I'm kind of crossing over into that category of being an older man. And look at the list there. He's saying to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in endurance. Those are important things. Go back to 1 Timothy 5. He goes there from the, the older men to the younger men. He says to treat the younger men as brothers, like family. I like that when Justin was speaking, he, was, he, he talked in the one he was praying for, he said, brother. I don't know if you noticed that. He said he was praying for him as, as a brother. He was a younger man. And, and, and these younger men, they are like family, but they're like brothers. And it's not a thing where uh, Timothy was supposed to you know, look down upon them. But look at them as equals and not in a condescending sort of way. And again, how we treat each other, how we treat each other is important. Back to Titus 2, look at verse 6. For you young men, and I'm going to include myself there for the rest of the year. Uh, Titus 2, chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 6. He said, similarly, encourage the young men... To be self-controlled. In everything, set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned, so that those who oppose you may be ashamed, because they have nothing bad to say about us. He said they need, they need encouragement. They need exhortation, and, and that is true. To be self-controlled. It's a hard thing being a young man, and, and to help them. To encourage them as brothers to walk the walk. And, and these young men that we prayed for today, they need that kind of encouragement. Hey, we're with you. We're in this battle together. We're here for you. Back to 1 Timothy 5, he says the older women to treat how? He says to treat as mothers, like family, as mothers. I have this habit sometimes with some of the older guys. I just call them mom for some reason. I don't know why that is. I just call them mom. Probably because some of them have been like mothers. Barbara, you know, who's not able to be here today, she's been like my second mom to me through the years. Treat her like, treat her like family. But look, look in Titus chapter 2, verse 3. He says there, Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live. Not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. To be reverent, not slanderers, not addicted to wine, but to teach what is good. They would learn how to teach. And then in the last part of 1 Timothy 5, 2, he says the younger women, to teach them or to uh, treat them as sisters with absolute Purity, to treat them as sisters with absolute purity. Somebody said this, that impropriety can and has ruined many a pastor's ministry. There's, some, there's a reason he added that part there about with absolute purity. You need to be very careful. 
how Timothy would deal with younger women. Treat them as sisters, just like they were your sister. Look back now, chapter 2, and Titus in verse 4. The older women were to learn to teach what is good. And then it says in verse 4, Then they, the older women, can train the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, and to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. This family that we have together, we're, we've, we've all got a lot to learn, don't you think? I've got a lot to learn as well. And uh, I, I think that this is a responsibility that we have amongst ourselves. And this is why Paul was teaching Timothy, why Paul was teaching Titus, who were both pastoring churches and, and they needed to learn. This is, we need, we need to learn, we need to teach, we need to grow, we need to uh, help each other in this. Now, the, the next section uh, here in, in the uh, 1 Timothy chapter 5 has to deal with widows. And really what it's all about is, is uh, help and compassion for those who were left all alone. How many, how many of you know what James chapter 1 verse 27 says? Mm-hmm. I'll quote it for you. I'll read it. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. King James calls it true religion. is to look after orphans and widows in their distress. And he adds, and to keep oneself being, from being polluted by the world. There's this idea of responsibility, this idea of, of need to take care of those. And, and uh, I don't think that it just applies to widows. I think it can apply to widowers as well. I think it can apply to anyone who's kind of been left all alone. But as we'll look at these verses, I want to, to, uh, to think about that, the, the responsibility, the family responsibility that, as we see in these verses, the family has the first responsibility, then church is is secondary. Look at verse 3 there. He says, Give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. Proper recognition, he's talking about taking care. He's talking about helping them. Now, uh, this whole idea of, of being a widow, I, I actually contacted uh, Barbara. And some of you are also widows here in this room. You, you kind of relate to what I'm, I'm talking about here. But I, I, I contacted her and I said, you know, if you could boil this down to like what it means to be a widow. Because I think we need to kind of understand that. We, we understand people lose, you know, their spouses. But to kind of understand and, and uh, to, I think one of the things that as we talked, one of the things that came out is this idea of being alone. The idea of being all alone. There's this grieving that's taking place and it takes years and years. I, and again, I, I don't think we truly get the idea. And, and my mom just passed away, for those of you that don't know. And so my father, is, is, uh, he's now alone and it's a difficult thing. But for me to try to understand that, to do what I can. But, but uh, when I asked uh, Barbara, I said, can I quote you? And this is the quote she gave me that she gave me. Uh, like Humpty Dumpty can't be put together again. 
Is that, is that difficult or what? Like Humpty Dumpty can't be put back together again. That's the way she feels. That's the way it is. And, this is, and, and her husband didn't die just recently. How many years has it been? Nine years. So Paul is saying here we need to take care of widows. We need to do what we can. There's a responsibility in the church and there's a responsibility in the family. See, the Bible doesn't just teach us about what the church should do and what the church should be. It teaches about what we should be in our own families, in our marriages, and, and all the other aspects of the family that the Scripture has these kinds of things. So, but let's keep in mind here now, in terms of widows, that Paul is writing before the time of pensions and, uh, you know, life insurance and social security and these kinds of things. As I was, you know, thinking about this idea, you know, the need is not so much uh, material today, though there, are, there is that, still that need. But it's, it's more in other kinds of needs. Just because they don't need someone to help pay their rent or to buy food for them doesn't mean that there, is a, there, that there isn't a huge need there. The needs may be different, but there still are needs. So I think what we need to do is pay attention and, and to see those who are in need. And as he says there in, in verse 3, those who are really in need. Some are more in need than others are. That's always going to be true. Some can handle things better than others can. That's always going to be true. But true religion... Look at verse 4. He says, But if a widow has children or grandchildren, these, the children or grandchildren, these should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents. For this is pleasing to God. That pretty much says it as far as our responsibility. We need to take care of our families. We don't, we, you know, thinking it's someone else's responsibility. No, it's, it's our responsibility. It's my responsibility to care for our own family. Now, some societies are, you know, way better at it than this, than, than, than we are. Isn't that true? Some, some societies, you know, the, the family, the extended family are all kind of there. They're, they're minister, they're taking care of each other. But in our society, we've gotten to this real independent kind of thing where, you know, I got my thing, you got your thing, and, and uh, don't bother me because I'm taking care of my thing. But you think about like the society, the Amish in, in uh, different parts of our country, they take care of their older folks. How many of you know that? You've experienced, you've read about them. When the, when the uh, and I'm really into this, when the, when the, uh, Folks get older, what they do is they just build on a, another little part of the house. And they go over there, and then the younger ones take the big house, and they take care of all the responsibilities of the farm and all that. But then they always have them there to take care of them, and, and, but they also have a part to play in it. It's really, it's really, I think, the way that it should be. We can't always all do that. I understand that. You know... We looked into building something onto our house, and the, 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 you know, the, uh, the rules and the laws are like out of control. You can't just go build on if you want to, right? No. I wish you could. 
But the principle is still true that to take care of each other, to take care of those in our families. He says to repay what they have given to us. The Holman commentary said that, which is up on the screen, this opportunity to give back time, love, and material support. Time, love, and material support. Those are the three things. And, and, and some of them don't really need much material support. So really, it gets back to the time and the love that we can give them. Time and love. But he says it there that this is pleasing to God. This is important. This is pleasing to God. If you do a, a search in your Bibles for, for God's heart, for, for the fatherless and the widows, you'll see it, it's many places that he talks. He has a heart for the fatherless and the widows. He cares. Look at verse 5. It says, The widow who is really in need and left all alone puts her hope in God and continues night and day to pray and to ask God for help. There's this, there's this uh, situation where the woman, the, the widow, she, she's crying out to God. She's looking to him to take care of her. But Paul is saying here, the word of God is telling us that some of the answer to those prayers is going to come from where? From us. They're going to come from me, from you and your family. I'm going to give this message to my, all my kids. I want them to hear this. Something happens to me, I want them to take care of me. None of them are here today. Where are they? I'll send them a copy. I'm crying out to God that when I reach that point where I can't necessarily do what I, what I uh, used to do, that, that there's going to be some kind of, you know, reciprocal action where I help take care of them and they're going to help take care of me. And I don't just say that because I want an easy way out. It's, it's what God is saying. It's the, the way that God has uh, ordained for us. And some of you, I, I look around, some of you, I know you're taking care of members of your family. And I want to commend you for that. Because it's right. It's good. It pleases the Lord. It pleases Him. As I said, my mom just passed away in, in March. And, uh, you know, uh, my father's there alone, but my... Uh, sister, one of his daughters, has come to live with him. She had the opportunity, she has the time, and so she's moved in to live with him and help take care of him. That's a good thing. We don't, you know, we're not all able to do everything. Now, it would be difficult for me to move back there and live with him, that kind of thing, but she's, you know, got the opportunity and she's taken that time and and passing along the love. And so I want to support her as much as I can. Verse uh, 6. Kind of a different perspective here. But the widow who lives for pleasure is dead even while she lives. You have to look at that and go like, what is he talking about there? Who is he talking about? You know, some that, that uh, their husband dies or, or their spouse dies and they say, wow, I'm going to just live it up now. You know, they were just like a chain around my neck and I hope that's not going to happen if something happens to me. <laughs> right? And now I'm really going to live. There was a, 
a, a, a couple, and, you know, every situation is different, but there was a couple living next door to where my folks live, and, and uh, the, uh, the gentleman, he, you know, he got cancer, and he passed away, and, and uh, then she went on, like, uh, traveling all around the world for a long time, and, like, that's interesting, and, and it's probably okay. But I think he's talking about here for those that are living for pleasure. Those who are living for pleasure. It's not good. It's not a spiritual. Uh, it's not going to help anyone spiritually. It's not going to be the answer uh, compared to the one in the previous word, uh, verse who puts her hope in God and continues to pray and ask God for help and the one who looks to pleasure to help fill that void and that emptiness. That's not the answer. That's not the answer. Verse 7, give the people these instructions too that so no one may be open to blame. If anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. That's the verse that Dave quoted earlier. A true test of our faith. Now, does that mean that it's going to be easy to do these things that God's asking us to do? No, it's not. It's not easy at all. But it's a true test of our faith, true religion, to take care and, and to be responsible for those family members that, have, that are, are in need, that are truly in need. Verse 9, he says, No widow may be put on the list of widows unless she's over 60 has been faithful to her husband and is well known for her good deeds, such as bringing up children, showing hospitality, washing the feet of the saints, helping those in trouble, and devoting herself to all kinds of good deeds. There was a criteria. It appears that they had a kind of a list of, of those that they would help and those that they would take care of. And, you know, to get on this list, there were some kinds of things that you had to qualify for. And so we see age being one of them, but also kind of the, the, the attitude of their lives and what they did. They were, they were people who would serve, people who would minister. They were helping other people. And, 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 and so he's kind of making this distinction. And he's going to talk about it in the next couple of verses as we wrap this up is that, that you know, there's an age factor, but there's also a heart factor as well. If those who just want to get what they can get, that makes it very difficult. But again, the first responsibility is going to the family, and then the church needs to help in some way at some point in time to take care of them. They're helping the church. They're serving God, and so we need to help them and serve them. Verses 11 and 12, as for younger widows, do not put them on such a list, for when their sensual desires overcome their dedication to Christ, they want to marry. And thus, they bring judgment on themselves because they have broken their first pledge. Uh, when they're younger, he says, don't, don't, it's a different situation. And it, it appears that they would be asked to make some kind of pledge, some kind of, well, I'm going to, this is, this is my situation. I'm going to serve God the rest of my life, and, and, and this is, I'm not going to get married again. And he says it's not realistic for those that are younger to even kind of be in that category, to make promises that they can't keep. Don't put them on the list he's saying there. 
Again, we're all in different situations. And when someone loses someone in a much younger age, now I've heard about people getting married in their 80s and that, and that's, that's cool too, I think. Verse uh, 13, besides they get into the habit of being idle and going about from house to house, and not only do they become idlers, but also gossips and busybodies, saying things they ought not to. So I counsel younger women to marry, younger widows to marry, to have children to manage their homes, to give the enemy no opportunity for slander. Some have, in fact, already turned away to follow Satan. That's kind of a scary thing, isn't it? He's saying, listen, we can't, we can't uh, to put younger women on a list and we, we're kind of enabling them to just get involved and do stuff they, you know, wasting time, having too much time on their hands. And so he says, that's not the right thing to do. They need to be busy. They need to do what they need to do. And go ahead and get married. It's okay. Go ahead and get married. Finally, in verse 16, he says, If any woman who is a believer has widows in her family, she should help them. And not let the church be burdened with them so that the church can help those widows who are really in need. Those who are really in need. You know, the church, again, the situations have changed since the day this was written. And as far as financially, most widows that I've seen, they have some means of income. They have some means of material support, but that doesn't get us off the hook. That we need to provide that love and that time. The church has limited resources, but, you know, we can only do so much. But families have the first responsibility to care, to take care of them. But the church, is, church has got responsibility as well. The church has responsibility as well. I think we need to look around and see those that, that not just are widows, but those that are alone, those that, are, that have been made alone by their own circumstances. And, and that how can we show them some time? How can we show them some love? It's not just about giving a handout, just giving some kind of money or some kind of food or package. You see what I'm saying here? Time, love, and material support. I want to close with some principles that I read here in the Holman uh, commentary uh, in terms of this passage. Number one, the age deserves honor. Number two, churches should teach the responsibility of the family to care for its own. Number three, the church should help take care of those believers in need who have no family to take care of them. And number four, widows should aspire to godly living and service to others. I think those are good principles that are found in this passage here. Amen? Challenging, isn't it? Makes me think. Makes me wonder, what can we do? Let's, let's pay attention to, to who's in our midst, to who's a part of our fellowship. And, and, and not only that, but each of us needs to, t- to pay attention to those in our own families. And what am I called to do? What's my part? It's not all going to be the same. I know with my, with my uh, parents, my mom, I live 3,000 miles away, and my brother and his wife really stepped up 
to help through the last uh, number of years. Uh, but I can, I can do other things. I can support them. I can help them, encourage them. What are we called to do, each one of us? Let's pray together, shall we? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and, and even the challenging parts of it, Lord, but uh, this idea of family and how we treat each other as family. We've got to remember we're family, and, and it matters. Forgive us, uh, Lord, of, of uh, any ways that we've not been uh, doing it right. I do pray, too, Lord, that you would give us eyes to see those that are widows, those that are in need, those that need uh, our care, uh, that don't feel like they can be put back together again and that we can just love them and care for them, show them some time, and maybe material support as we're able to. Father, uh, just give us eyes to see and ears to hear, Lord, in Jesus' name. Lord, we ask too, Lord, for any here today that, that don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. We heard about these young people who have given their lives to Jesus. We, we just uh, want to give you an opportunity, if you're here today, as we pray to reach out to Jesus. And he will hear you and he will answer. He will come into your life if you ask him in and simply cry out to him and say, Jesus, please. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you rose from the dead, defeating death. So I call out to you today and I ask you to, to forgive me and to come into my life that I might enter your family. In Jesus' name, amen.